0: Our latest guest on Soundtracking is the wonderful Philippa Lowthorpe, a director with an award-winning track record in film and television, with credits including Call the Midwife, Swallows and Amazons, The Crown and Three Girls. Her latest film is Misbehaviour, featuring a fantastic cast, the narrative follows events surrounding the 1970 Miss World contest, which not only saw the first black competitor crowned, but also the stage flower-bombed by women's liberation activists during the event. Suffice to say, host Bob Hope was not amused, and I highly recommend you Google the footage if you haven't seen it already. The score, meanwhile, was provided by former guest on the show, Dickon Hinchcliffe. Plenty more On all of this shortly, but first a word from our friends at The Economist. Now our world feels like a wildly unpredictable place at the moment, so now more than ever, I'm looking for intelligent, insightful news that I can trust. Whether it's the pressing matter of public health, politics, science, tech or the environment, I want to sift through the noise and get to the facts. The Economist does just that and plenty more besides. For instance, an article in February explores how a new wave of French movies, such as *Les Misérables*, is confronting issues of social inequality and injustice in the country, in much the same way the groundbreaking *La Haine* did 25 years ago. There's also a fascinating piece about how *Parasite*'s success at the Oscars does not necessarily signal a newfound and lasting love of foreign films in Hollywood. Now, if you haven't seen either of those films, by the way, put them on your watch list. Immediately. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces changing your world. Get your free copy of The Economist now. Just text sound to 78070. That's sound to 78070. And so to the lovely Philippa and misbehaviour, scored as I mentioned by Dickon Hinchcliffe. And it's with Dickon's title theme from the film that we begin. It's so great to have you on the show. Um, I'm such an admirer of your work. I think we first met when you were being quite rightly recognised for your fantastic work on Three Girls. I think it was the Women in Film and TV Awards. Yes, that's which right. Which you guys swept the board. <laughs>
1: we did.
0: Yeah. We did. It we'll was... talk about that in a second, but um, congratulations on Misbehaviour. It's a great film. I didn't know this story as well. I kind of grew up watching Miss
1: World as well. Did you? I I did. I I me and my sisters used to play Miss World. <laughs> we used to stick our swimming cozies on and waltz down the stairs and like put towels yeah. for capes.
0: Talk about what you wanted to do.
1: Talk about what you to do. I, 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 and... My sisters never let me come first. Oh, that was no. a, a bad thing. Um, but I didn't really think of anything other than that it was this terribly glamorous mm-hmm. thing, like a, a fairy tale thing. Yeah. And how wonderful to go around wearing a ball gown and you and know a and a tiara. <laughs> yeah.
0: I am yeah I was desperate to be Miss Scotland of course there never was one it was just Miss Great Britain but it's really interesting because on the surface it is this kind of you know here's all these women from all over the world but the way that this film addresses what is kind of actually going on behind the scenes but done with a really specific and brilliant tone I think as well in terms of it's not it's not heavy and it's not too light it's kind of was Mm. that an easy thing to kind of to direct in terms of the performances. Because yeah. Because you've got some really big characters in there with Reese fans, yeah. for example, and,
1: and Jessie as well. It was really important to make it fun and warm and witty mm. and provocative because it is, you know, it is about some women running into the theatre and throwing flower bombs. It's not like, you know... But underneath that uh, uh, and at the bottom of it are some very serious questions to ask about feminism. Yeah. So it, it was always important to give this film it's like this energy and this joyfulness because the people themselves are like that. You know they're not the cliche sort of po-faced women's libbers at all. So when I met Joe and Sue and, and and all the women who lived in Groven Avenue, they are so I mean they're in their late 70s now, they are so full of life yeah. and laughter and joyfulness and, and mischief still. It would have been impossible to m- make a film not capturing that really yeah and the same with sally she's a one of the most inspiring women i've ever met in my life you know i could sit at sally's kitchen table for days listening to her (laughs) speak she's so interesting about the world Mm. and you know how lucky was i to get to meet them and then make a film about them and really say thank you for the rights that you fought for 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 me for people like me yeah all the, the you know the big things in the 70s that women's libbers. The women's liberation movement was about, you know, equal pay and, and you know, education rule and Absolutely. all of that stuff was so important for, for us. And so to be able to celebrate that in this way Absolutely. was just the best thing, really.
0: The The cast that you have in this is so great. And you kind of, particularly in those scenes where it's kind of meetings and you kind of look around that room and you, you know, away from the main cast of, you know, of Kira and, and Jesse and there's there's all these brilliant, wonderful actresses. Emma is in there as well as Miss South Africa as well, who's currently starring as Diane in the Crown. And I've seen some of that footage and oh my God, what a great talent. But this, was that a fun thing to pull together in terms of getting this gaggle of brilliant women together?
1: It so was. And I had the great fortune to work with Nina Gold, who is the most brilliant brilliant casting director. And just to have all these different flavours and all these amazingly talented women... You know, from Suki Waterhouse's plays Miss America*, yeah. and as you say, the um, way she
0: reacts when she meets Bing Crosby, Bob is Hope, she, Bob,
1: Bob Hope, Hope. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's interchangeable, Christmas. interchangeable. I in
0: Christmas mode, um, but when she meets him in the corridor and yeah. her reaction, I, I love that tiny. It's a tiny little piece of performance, but it's so great. Yeah.
1: It's so good. And I think what's brilliant about Nina is she cares about every single part. Mm. So every part had to be vivid and and really, really carefully chosen for all of everybody. Like, you know, in in the Women's Liberation lot, there's Ruby Bentle, who plays Sarah, who's so witty, and Alexa Davies, who plays Sue, uh, you know, and Lily, who is Jane. They they are just such brilliant actresses, all of them. So I had the best time ever and of course Kira and Gugu, and Gugu. are brilliant oh amazing yeah
0: I want to talk about music and there's a couple of scenes in particular where the music and Gugu's performance are pretty spine tingling actually particularly that scene where she goes out onto the stage and is kind of practicing and the kind of grace and elegance that she's rehearsing and the piano that kind of that little piece of score that accompanies that is, is extraordinary and
1: you work with Dick on
0: on yeah. The score we've had on the podcast.
1: Oh yes, he told me he'd been on. <laughs> I yeah, he had
0: a good time. He
1: had a brilliant time. Um,
0: what was the what were your, was, yeah? What was your kind of conversation about the score for this? Because obviously, the time that it's set, you have this backdrop of an incredible music scene.
1: Mm. We have the, an incredible backdrop, but we wanted to stick to score because it would allow the voices of the women to come out more than dominating them. And also, when you actually look at it. A lot of that music was written by men, mm. so it was quite hard to find stuff that was appropriate, so we decided to ask or oh, we were gagging to have Dick and uh, compose it because we wanted it to feel like band music yeah. and he used to play instances you know and yeah. it, it it really suited him and suited us for for all the sounds that he wanted to create, which were like band sounds and to create this kind of um, really authentic 70s sound for the score. lots of real instruments from the time and when we recorded it at Abbey Road he recorded it on old microphones and stuff like that an old system so that it had that really kind of grungy 70s feel. a really challenging score to create because you have all these different worlds it's not just one world or one point of view you've Mm. got the Libbers you've got Eric Morley's world the contestants world and Bob Hope world and so it was a challenge for Dickon and 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 me as well with him to create a score which felt really of a piece but had Mm. could kind of underscore the the worlds of these different women as well and that piece that you're on about the the one where Jennifer practices. That comes from a real story about Jennifer who went to the Royal Albert Hall the night before and practiced on her own on the stage. Just like we show it, we're not in the Royal Albert Hall because we weren't allowed to film there, but that is a real story that she went and practiced her walk on the stage. This was when she thought she would never win and it felt so lonely and so sort of solitary but at the same time so beautiful. And Dickon wrote that amazing, beautiful track he just did that you know he just felt it when he watched the rushes and it's stunning I love that track
0: Did he have access to speaking to the real women at all? To to
1: no, he just watched the he just watched the footage that we had, and he had a very strong reaction for Bob Hope. So that cue that he <laughs> wrote at the beginning was the first cue that he wrote. Yeah, and it's like that kind of slightly rocky, jazzy thing, slightly like smooth operatory yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, it's clever. It's very clever. Yeah. It is
0: clever because it is that thing. And I that was one thing I wanted to ask was whether you talked about. Themes for characters in a way, so that the sounds were almost like you know, kind of characters, part of their character that definitely. really highlighted that.
1: Yeah, definitely. We, we, that's how we, he went into it. So, through the point of view of each character, so Bob was that slightly sleazy, jazzy, sort of laid back thing. Kira's character Sally, who's got fire in her belly, has that more directional sort of "I'm going to go for it" kind of vibe. Uh, yeah, it was very important to that. And the contestants' music um, when they step off the coach—that um, piece "Stepping Out" is a great track. And, and it, that was the track that took Dickon the most, and me as well, the most difficult to, to find that track. Mm because we didn't want to sentimentalise the contestants, we didn't want to undermine them. It's really important that we took them seriously, so it was quite hard to get capture their energy, but also, you know, not belittle them. Because yeah. we loved those contestants as well, as, as well as loving the Libbers.
0: I found one of the most emotional bits was when they were on stage and they had to do that turn. And you're kind of like, it makes you feel a bit sick really on the inside. It's, it's it's wonderful that you've been able to to really capture that kind of different emotions throughout the film. You, mm. You're kind of really rooting for, and it's weird because you are kind of rooting for the contestants as well, like you say, because they, are, they, are, they want to do well and they want to win and, you know, they're there for themselves the right reasons
1: exactly we really wanted to not make a simplistic yeah. film and really you know beauty pageants objectify women so the last thing that we wanted to do was objectify those contestants yeah. we really wanted to get their characters to the fore and mm-hmm. learn about them as well and see why why were they entering and what what opportunities did it give them because it was so few opportunities for women in 1970 you know women were going to use whatever they could get to mm-hmm. get a platform and get out of whatever life they wanted like Miss USA says I would have just you know ended up a, a secretary for some bozo in a shiny suit or whatever she says you know that's true and for, for Jennifer as well that was a platform for her to go to back to university and go and be ambassador for Grenada in Canada it's amazing amazing yeah
0: I love those that moment at the end kind of just really and the music that you use as well at that point is just really perfect you know in terms of where the where you see the real women and you're kind of like my you know my head comes forward and you're just waiting to read their story as to Mm. where they are and what they are what they're doing now as well it's a lovely kind of full circle of the film Do you edit to music with temp score?
1: Yeah, we used we use temp score, um, and we it, it's sometimes successful and sometimes not successful. Yeah. It's it's interesting to have some temp score and then take it away and then forget about it. But it, it's important for especially in feature films when you to, to, when you're showing to people, they, it's nice to create the mood with music. Music is so important, isn't it, for evoking emotion. Yeah. And it's so much part of making a film. I'm not one of those purist directors who thinks you shouldn't have music. I think it's so important. There's not
0: many that we've spoken to that do it that way. There's only a a few. Um, And a few composers who kind of insist on seeing a cut without music as well. Because sometimes they get a bit, you know, that thing of kind of going, I don't want to. I don't want what you've got in there to cloud what I'm going
1: to... I think that's fair enough. Mm. Often I would say to a composer, would you like us to just take that temp off and you listen to it raw? Because I think it's interesting for people just to have that emotional response themselves, you know, just... And often with Dickon, what was brilliant about working with him, he would give us temp music. So he would find, he would go and find a track or something that he could give to us to use as temp because he'd say, oh, try this, try this sound what do you think of this? And that was really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. And then those moments where you do use existing music like I'm Alive, the uh, the Johnny Thunder track. Yeah. How did you come to those decisions about, because when you said earlier about, you know, there was so much there, so it was pulling back from that mm-hmm. to, to create your own sound, but there are those there's sort of few moments where you do have a kind needle drop in there sort of thing. Were those easy decisions to make?
1: Oh, no, that was so hard. <laughs> was it? The respect one was so easy. Yeah. that was like you could not yeah. do this film without that song. Yeah, that's amazing anthem in it. It's just yeah, yeah. And so I love the irony with respect when you go to the beauty contestants <laughs> yeah. in the cold, damp <laughs> seaside town. Yeah. that particular track was very hard to d- agree about mm-hmm. and first of all I had some really heavy rock so when we filmed it we had a because we didn't know what we would be allowed to use as yeah. well from cost and all that um I had a really heavy deep purple track on. oh there. amazing which one black knight I think it's. They
0: are black knight dated that's what oh my god i went Long way from home that's the one yes great song it's
1: so masculine so yeah it's so yeah it's so masculine like pumped up men kind of thing i know i've seen deep purple i thought my first idea was like you know we're going to reclaim these sounds for these but actually in fact it just stuck out in the end <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like get rid of it That's has been deep purple for bin, sure been it it felt too heavy and it felt too masculine Yeah, yeah. and although it was brilliant for the women to jump around to when we were filming it actually when it was in the film it felt oh god we don't want all these male voices (laughs) singing about what they're singing about and what that track I'm Alive it just captured for for me the exuberance and the sheer vitality of those women and what they were about to do and that that became then then once that was in the film we thought oh how could we have ever thought it could have been anything else you know yeah
0: the kind of music element to to your roles director in terms of working out the right composer to fit the project and you know that relationship to finding the right sound to them picking the songs do you like that side to
1: I absolutely love it I love it it's such a vital part of it and I, I've you know each project the music is so important like even on three girls yeah um, I worked with a composer called Natalie Holt and she did the most extraordinary score it was s- super hard getting there mm. uh, for us both you know just trying to work out what sounds it could be that weren't cliche or pastiche or whatever and those sounds of the the deep cello repetition sounds when Holly goes into the the takeaway and is before mm. she's unfortunately raped by the horrible guy you know that, that that is such an unusual piece of music to put with that scene mm-hmm. And so it's it's those sort of things which are so exciting as a filmmaker. You can change something so much by what music you put there. It's incredible, the the emotional evocation that you get from music, I think.
0: Can we talk a little bit about three girls because i can't imagine where you started scoring that because of the subject matter and because of the emotional response you have when you watch that those performances and and that story unfold you you can't music has got such a delicate role in it and that it, it can't manipulate you know the girls are already being manipulated the music can't manipulate mm-hmm. you as an audience member but it worked like you like you say and what was it about what was it about natalie that you were like yeah that's I think she can she can create something that would be the right fit mm. for this
1: I definitely I wanted to work with a woman composer mm-hmm. for that I wanted to, again to try and get as many women on that project as possible and Natalie's a classical musician herself and I thought it would be really interesting to use some classical elements mm-hmm. in this film and not and to dignify this story and not make it about I mean it is a modern sound but not make it poppy or uh you know ephemeral but to give it this a real gravitas yeah. and i think natalie's score really does that it's a, it's a very haunting and beautiful score but it has this real weight to it and i think that it, it is was, was a really right thing to do yeah you know to make it important to make that those experiences important also not sentimental yeah that's yeah it's yeah. not in
0: terms of, of kind of pushing the audience in one one way mm. it's it's because you know music at times can do that in terms of you're going to feel sad now or mm-hmm. you know so it, it just the line that it, that it that it walked along I thought was was so perfect and Nicole knowing how kind of musical she is particularly with country music but but did she have much Um, opinion about the music was there much written in the script in terms of the sort of sounds of that or
1: not really but nicole was also was was a great supporter of natalie's music so whenever she would come to the cutting room um she really enjoyed what she was hearing and that gave us confidence to go further you know and and make make the score that we did Mm. because it's 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 a very unusual score and i i'm really proud of of that i'm proud of natalie for achieving it it was very hard to find the right sounds for that show
0: It's really interesting you talk about the cello as well because we had a, an amazing, um, Hilda Godnottir was on the oh show. My God. And she's just, I mean, just a, a wonderful person to spend time with as well. She's got that kind of, not to kind of stereotype or anything, but that Icelandic kind of beautiful nuance that of kind of that sprightliness, but there's a darkness there sort of thing. And that very much, I think, comes across in her music. And the way that she wrote the Joker soundtrack, you know, on the cello and that kind of thing of finding a darkness and a way you know within mm. this this kind of story it's that the, there seems to be kind of similarities to the way that natalie and and hilda work which i hope natalie takes as a huge compliment
1: yes i'm sure she would i'm i'm so thrilled that hilda won that oscar i'm so thrilled it was just wonderful to see her up on that stage wasn't it because it was an extraordinary score yeah. again the weight of it the weight of that score was just so profound you could, like got you in your solar plexus Yeah.
0: And she talks about how she, when Todd sent her the script, it took her a while to kind of find the sound, but the idea of her holding her cello and the vibrations connecting with something and then that then being played to Joaquin on set and informing his performance is kind of, you can see it, can't you? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's absolutely fantastic. I was thinking when coming to chat to you about women composers... And there aren't many, no, there really not. aren't yeah. many. I, I worked a long, long time ago when I was first started in my documentaries, I had uh, got Rachel Portman to mm-hmm. do the school for somebody and I was thinking about how inspirational her work was yeah. to me as a filmmaker, the work she did on Ratcatcher I love with Lynn film. Ramsey. I oh love my that God, film. Oh a great film. So beautiful and her theme for that, they, you know, it's just so perfect. are not the only fruit. It's like a seminal piece of drama. Yeah. Those are the films that made me want to be a director you know, I just, and her work is just brilliant or Debbie Wiseman in when she wrote Wolf Hall. Yeah. But there are so few
0: yeah. women composers We were lucky we did an event at the BFI with sort of three up and coming ones, um, Amelia Warner Emily Levenez, and Carly Paradis um, and it was just wonderful to hear them all talk about their different process and and yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, there's not enough out there getting the jobs that get them the recognition, you know, in terms of it's, it's, it's the same with, with female directors, you know, it's like, give them the jobs. Absolutely. And similarly with the female composers, like yeah. they are out there, it's just give them the work sort of thing. Yeah. we'll we'll, we'll do our best to champion all that as well. <laughs> but I love how, how you, you can tell me what it is that you look for in a project because, you do so many different types of things and but the thing that the the constant is the the emotional connection that you have as a viewer whether that be you know with with this film with three girls but also with your the crime you know episodes that you you directed or the wonderful experience i had with my oldest watching um swallows and amazons so what it is for you though that you jump on or connect with when you see Yes to project? I
1: think it's I I love I love true stories I know Swallows and Amazons wasn't but I I I love true stories because I started off as a documentary maker so I'm always drawn to true stories and always drawn to stories about women apart from Swallows and Amazons again but um, (laughs) Some good girls in that Some good girls in (laughs) that but I think that I don't know it's by accident really I just I just get drawn into wanting to tell these stories about women whether it's the women in Five Daughters or the women in three girls or, or these women in misbehaviour, I just find it really compelling. And also because we don't get these stories very often. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like I just want to help get those women's voices out there. Yeah. And I think it's about giving women a voice. And that, for me, was a very big draw for misbehaviour. I wanted to give these women a voice and mm-hmm. also to celebrate what they did, both the contestants and the, the women's libbers. And that thing of emotional connection is so important to me. I think that's why I wanted to make films. I was thinking about you know what music in from films when you're a kid yeah. really gets you and like transports you and that feeling of being transported in a film with the right score yeah can is you are your... so powerful yeah e.t yeah lassie
0: oh my God and yeah. the
1: railway children yeah that ra- the theme of the railway children when it comes on, it just makes me want to cry <laughs> every single time and I don't know why probably so sentimental but little the, house on the prairie for me it's <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. just skipping over the hills oh my god yeah that, just, it's just it's
1: an evocation of emotion and if you can it's ingrained, it's ingrained isn't it as well. if you can capture that and then put it in your film and reach into people's hearts it's such a brilliant thing to be able to do and to make oh, people feel like you felt when you watched those films you know yeah
0: it's wonderful as well watching those films with I've got two boys and when we watched E.T. for the first time and seeing their reaction to to that music and then when we're out on our bikes hearing, hearing them singing the yeah. theme tune, you know, that yeah. kind of thing, it's like, oh, man.
1: It gets in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's not it's, it's beyond intellect, isn't it? It just gets in your heart, like that E. T. theme. It just makes you wanna get on your bike and fly over. <laughs> <you. I'm coming. laughs> yeah. See ya, I'm off. Yeah. When you when you um
0: do you mind if we talk about a little bit about the crown as well? Because no, not at I, all. I've been really lucky that I've been doing a companion podcast for them. I did the last season and we're doing this season at the minute. It's been fascinating to kind of spend time up at Elstree and you know, speak to the props guys and the hair and makeup and costume. And it's a beast of a thing. Oh my God. And Peter is fascinating, you know, just in terms of how he kind of, you know, helms that ship. But, but when you come on and you're part of a brilliant team to on, on something, season two, you, you worked on, wasn't yeah. it? Where there's a framework there of, of lots of things, but you very much are brought in because they want you to put your stamp on. You know your episodes. What's the, is that an easy thing to do, or is it? Well,
1: I've never done it. I'd never done it before. Yeah. I've never done an episode of anything that's already set up before. Yeah. So it was an interesting experience, and also because they were very much of the mind that you should do your own thing with it. Yeah. It was a very enticing prospect because mm-hmm. the cast is so wonderful. You got this brilliant team to work with, and the you know the budget was like a movie budget. Yeah. And and they. The, the style of Peter's writing dictates some of the yeah. how you film it. But I remember doing something, and um, Stephen Daugherty was just waiting to do a little scene after me in the same location. And my camera was, but well, I love moving the camera. And on the previous uh, series of The Crown, nobody moved the camera, but I love moving the camera. Good. So I had this scene with this camera was chasing after this guy through these corridors, down these things, and he came to me saying Philip, you're moving the camera. And I thought he was going to tell me <laughs> off. I was so scared. And he said, how do you do that? I don't know how to move the what camera. Yeah. And he approaches things in such a different way. I love Stephen's directing. It's so gorgeous, warm hearted and joyful. I love his directing. And he does it in such a different way. He builds layers of, of, of depth into his shots. And he, he directs in a such different way. But he couldn't believe that. that I like. How do you And that? When my knees were knocking, I thought, oh, Stephen Dory's going to tell me off. <laughs> What a lovely full circle talk. So, because he's our
0: Mackie's a producer on. Yes, Behaviour.
1: Yes. Wings Suzanne us. Suzanne um asked me to do the Crown as well, and Andy Harris, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it, I, it was a brilliant experience. It's an amazing team. Yeah. You make the Crown, and I love you know Claire Foy's like a gem of a person and a brilliant actress as well. Yeah,
0: I'm so glad our time's run out because I could sit and chat to you for hours.
1: Thank you for coming oh, to do this. Thank you, and I'm so excited to
0: see what's next as well. Are we? Are we doing? Are you film or TV next? What
1: you- I've just I'm just cutting um, a thing called the Third Day for HBO. It's oh, wow. made by Plan B, Brad Pitt's company. Yeah. And my, it's a, it's a trilogy written by Dennis Kelly. It's two trilogies. Mark Munden, the director, is doing the first trilogy and I'm doing the second. And Naomi Harris is the lead of mine. Oh, and Jude Law is the lead of Mark's. And they kind of come together. It's when, a really creepy thing. Oh, when do we it's see it? It's really that? scary. Who's doing
0: the music and when do we see um,
1: it? Who's doing the music? Um, Christo Tapia de Vere, uh-huh. who did Utopia.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: An amazing, amazing composer, Chilean composer. Oh. And he's busy composing right now. I hope, Christine. Well, maybe
0: we can have a return visit then for when that's available and we can yes. maybe get the two of you together.
1: That'd be a, that'd be stunning. Yeah. It's it's I think that's being broadcast in May and June. Perfect. It's a date. <laughs> Thank, you Thank you, Edith. Thank you.
0: Dickon Hinchcliffe is scored to misbehavior that's Grosvenor Avenue rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Philippa Lowthorpe. My huge thanks to Philippa for taking the time to talk to us. She is the most wonderful company. misbehavior is on general release now with her TV work widely available through home entertainment formats Now if you want to hear my chat with Dick on head to edithbowman.com or your preferred podcast provider and please do subscribe whilst you're there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter we are at Soundtracking UK and do keep sharing with your friends we really do appreciate the support. Next up, Jed Carzel on his score for brother Justin's film The True History of the Ned Kelly Gang which is outstanding. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.